This is Dr. D. Santis, and you're listening to Richfield Tiger Talk. I am joined with Josh Zabin, our new director of safety and security for Richfield Public Schools. How are you, Josh? I'm doing great, Wes, and, and thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to be here, and I'm, I'm really appreciative of uh, your opportunity to be on Tiger Talk. Oh, well, great. Well, we're super duper happy to have you on this show today. And uh, I think the, the community wants to know some of the cool things that you're going to be bringing to Ridgefield Public Schools. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like some of your background before you uh, took this position? Well, sure. Um, I did 32 years at the Fairfield Police Department. Um, oh, wow. During that time, uh, I served in every division of the department. I worked up the ranks from... Um, detective, uh, sergeant, lieutenant, and uh, spent my last eight years as captain serving in the uh, support services division and the patrol division, uh, which is the largest division of the department, the most visible with the uniform members responding to uh, all types of calls for service. So you were um, always out in the community? I was. I, I was community-based. Uh, when I was in the patrol division, we spent a lot of effort on uh, community policing initiatives. Uh, we did a lot of um, interactive uh, functions with the community. Uh, we did fundraisers. Uh, we did coffee with a cop where people would just stop in. We put out a pot of coffee at one of the local restaurants and no agenda whatsoever. You want to come in and talk about potholes in your neighborhood or you want to talk about a, a positive experience your, your kids had with a police officer, whatever it would be. Um, we would do that. We would, uh, we would do fundraisers. We would do our um, half marathon. So we were always in, in the community and always trying to, to share experiences. Uh, so people uh, felt a little bit easier about coming forward and talking to us. Oh, that's great. And then, you know, I, I, I remember you saying something in when you and I were talking before the podcast and how you want to bring that to our community. You want to touch base with some of our community members. Absolutely. You know, it's security and safety doesn't work unless everybody's at the table and everybody has a voice. It's really important for the district to understand concerns and needs of, of both the staff, the students and, and the parents, of course. Uh, and even those who may not have a child in the school, they just want to understand um, that we're present and we are doing our job to do everything we can to protect uh, the safety of uh, the children and the staff in the schools. And we're, we're available to discuss those and, and share um, concerns. And we're, we're open to suggestions that people from the public may also have. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, you know, this is a great segue to my next question is like, what does that vision look like for a safe school environment? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, you know, it's interesting when we talk about a safe school environment, we hear that term throughout the nation and throughout the world. Uh, there, there always seems to be two opposing factors when it comes to school environment. And when I say that, uh, what I'm talking about is that fine balance between safety and convenience. Uh, we never want to get in the way of the academic mission because that's what school is all about. Um, so I believe that we want to keep safety in, in the front of our minds, but at the same time, it needs to take a backseat to learning. We don't want safety and security to stand away, uh, stand in the way or be a barrier to learning. Um, but to recognize today's safe school environment requires that balance. So um, there are times we're going to have to put safety over convenience. Uh, yeah. and, and what I mean by that is um, preventative me measures. 
Okay. So when I talk about prevention, you know, prevention's invisible. It's, it's things you can't see that are going on in the background. So some of those examples that uh, we already have in place here at the Ridgefield Public School District, but at the same time, we're going to be reviewing and, and updating if necessary is setting good policies. Um, Absolutely. Policies don't work unless we're enforcing those policies. And that means everything from our, our students, our staff, and our visitors uh, understanding the policies and following through on them. Um, you know, maintaining secure doors and strict visitor management. Uh, that's the type of safety over convenience mm -hmm. we're talking about. You know, people want to have access to the school and, and people want not to be disrupted on their way in. And, and if they're a visitor or if they're a staff member, but we do have to put some restrictions on that. Um, another invisible part of prevention is staff training. We want our staff to be uh, aware of safety practices and how to respond to an event if something were to happen. And uh, prevention also includes surveillance. You know, it's important that we're able to see things before they happen. And that yep. means to detect and deter and to respond to an event if, if one were to happen. Um, you know, I, I look at security procedures, I frame it this way. It, it's like a snow shovel. When we know winter's coming, we take that snow shovel, we move it from the back of the garage to the front of the garage. Absolutely. We take a bucket of sand or salt, and again, we move that to the front of the garage. And yep. sometimes they predict snow's coming overnight, and you open up the garage and it didn't snow. But predictable is preventable. And if Absolutely. snow is predictable, we want to make sure that we do everything we can to prevent any slips or hazards. And having that snow and uh, having the predictability it might come and then having the tools like I talked about, that snow shovel, it's just like security procedures. We just want to have it on deck just in case. And, you know, to, we have a, a perfect analogy in the technology world where I'm from is, you know, recently a lot of places and I know people listening to this podcast have probably dealt with it. Uh, the world of uh just logging into your bank, right? Logging into your phone, logging. They have these things called multi-factor authentication. You know, it can be a pain at sometimes. Oh, I forgot my passcode. I got to figure this out. Is it going to text me something? But we all know what the alternative is, right? It's very easy now for back in the day, you had your pass password that you kept for 20 years. <laughs> and then suddenly now you can't use it anymore and everything's getting into your email accounts and then someone steals a credit card. So absolutely, it's that balance of, safety and convenience yeah uh, some yeah you know i often i often say that uh there's no line in the sand when it comes to safety and security and that and those always changing times as you talk about that passcode you know yeah. things change uh over time whether we like it or acknowledge it or not so we're always uh trying to update and make sure we're ahead of the problem mm -hmm. So you, you talked about some some philosophies that can move forward, you know, updating our policies, enforcing policies, making the community aware. Uh, but what are some of the actual maybe physical improvements or policy improvements that you might want to include into the district over the coming months? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, some of the things we can discuss, uh, some of the upgrades that uh, you will you will begin to see. Um, are already in the works. Uh, we have some camera system upgrades. We have some legacy systems that we just want to um, uh, upgrade and, and make uh, more compatible with our, our software. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to, we're looking forward to putting some security guard booths at some of our shared campuses for uh, traffic control and uh, reduced access for visitors uh, that are unannounced, for example, uh, and will also allow us to increase our surveillance. 
Oh, that's great. Now, you know, we kind of just talked about the whole like balance of security and convenience. And I think the, a big topic that comes up is like, how much should we be hardening our schools? Right? How much security? Uh, you know, I think there's like that extreme case where you make it look like it's, it's this wacky fortress almost. And then there's this almost other extreme case where it's completely passive and open. And I'm sure it's somewhere in between. Yeah, and um, many districts take different philosophies on that approach. Um, you know, I don't believe that academic environments for learning should become fortresses, nor do I think they should look like fortresses. Um, and people, you know, there are dozens of solutions that people come forward with and believe will work. Uh, but I believe the reality is we really need to focus on eliminating a threat before it begins, or and additionally minimizing the impact if, if there was an event that was to begin. So, you know, my approach to all this is I believe in staff training and awareness training, um, teaching people to think in smart ways about safety and security as that preventative measure. Uh, also, I strongly believe using building design to prevent an event from even starting whether that is um, some type of access control with regards to pedestrians and vehicles or controlling movement as to who enters the campus uh, and monitoring where people go on campus through surveillance and through um, check-in and check-out processes. So, you know, every safety measure that we put into place is driven by the concept of deterring, detecting, and responding to an event. So we don't have to make schools appear to be as fortress-like as some uh, you know, districts have discussed, but more about improving our awareness and being able to detect and deter before something starts. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we do enjoy, this is a beautiful time of year. I know as we're recording this podcast, it's gorgeous house. We want our children to be able to, to freely explore the outdoors. We live in Ridgefield. It's a beautiful place. There's a lot of great forests. You know, I would just Earlier today, I was at East Ridge, and they were taking the kids out to take uh, forest samples. So it was really, really cool. Um, I think a great uh, advantage of having someone like you in this position is it's not just the physical security, but also being in the community and understanding maybe the needs of the students that are outside of just, you know, door lock security, security guards, guard tower. These are all important. Surveillance is important. But there's also things that we have to consider in students' life. And I, I know the news media recently has been bringing up things like Ethan's Law. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that is and maybe some uh, information or tips that you'd like to give our Ridgefield families? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ethan's Law was um, born out of a, a terrible tragedy. Uh, you know, Connecticut is a national leader in gun safety and gun violence prevention. Uh, and there was a public act passed in 2019 based, based on some tragic events that occurred in 2018. So Ethan Song was a 15-year-old uh, when he was accidentally shot and killed in 2018 while handling a uh, large caliber pistol at a neighbor's home. And the pistol in this case was one of three that was unattended in a bedroom closet owned by a friend's father. So here he was uh, visiting a friend's home. And in this case, each of the weapons were secured with a gun lock, but the keys and the ammunition for the firearms were located inside the same box. Uh... And yeah, a very, very tragic situation. So what, what's notable uh, at the time that this occurred, it was a felony to leave a uh, gun 
if it were loaded and in the uh, proximity of, of a, a minor. But in this case, it was not loaded and no charges were brought forward uh, in this particular case. But the new law requires that any person storing or keeping a firearm who reasonably should know, and that's really what's important. It, it's not a matter that a minor lives in the home, but one would reasonably should know that a minor is likely to gain access to the firearm. And here's the key, whether it's loaded or unloaded, that they shall keep it securely locked in a box or other container in a manner which is reasonable that a person would believe to be secure. So there's two or three parts to this that we really need to know as, as residents of the state. Number one, a minor is defined as any person under the age of 18, okay? Yep. And that a reasonable person would believe it to be secure. So the biggest message out of this law, which we really all need to understand is that we need to lock up our firearms, mm -hmm. loaded or unloaded. Do not store the keys in or around the firearm and do not store the ammunition in or around the firearm. Because if any of those uh, particular factors were to come together and were to come to the possession of a minor, that particular individual would be, would be um, liable. Yeah. Charged with a felony. And of course, uh, you know, we don't want the horrible consequences that would come from that. So that's that's the, what's important to keep in mind uh, as far as storage of firearms in the state of Connecticut and truly should apply to any state. Anyone storing a firearm should keep those safety measures always in always in in mind when when locking up our firearm and keeping the ammunition and keys uh, away from the proximity of the firearm. So we're getting to the final final question of the podcast, and uh, you know, me working in technology, I've noticed uh, these quote unquote TikTok challenges, social media challenges. Uh, they're on Instagram, they're even on many Discord servers that a lot of our students like to hang out on. Do you have any kind of insight or information that you'd like to know of the RPS parents to know about with these social media challenges? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Wes, that's a great question. You know, some students seem to be driven by a culture of this competitive risk taking, you know, I mean, we see this on these TikTok challenges that you just mentioned, you know, I mean, damaging property, uh, stealing uh, toilets from schools. I mean, it's, it's really nonsensical stuff, but some students have been criminally charged for partaking in these challenges. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, parents need to get ahead of this before their student engages in, in this type of conduct. Um, I, I believe that they should be discussing the consequences with uh, their kids, you know, give examples of cases on the news and let them know that that these consequences of these actions, they're not a joke. You know, some people actually get criminally charged for such conduct. Um, and it's not just it's not the intent of what you wanted to happen. It's it's the impact that it has on others. So, um, you know, I think that Parents should talk to kids and let them know, you know, these TikTok challenges are posted and they go viral and um, the kids need to pause and think before they do these things. Um, kids should ask these questions or parents should propose these questions. Will this hurt someone? Yeah. Why am I posting this? And the really important one, will I regret this later? And, you know, these discussions can be had at the dinner table or rides home from school. And you can start by just asking, hey, do you know any kids that are participating in these? It's an easy start. And I'm, I'm sure every parent will get a response from their kid about the, the challenges that are going mm -hmm. nationwide, even though if they haven't partaken in them. It's always a good pre preemptive discussion to have ahead of these problems getting out of hand. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, this is something we're even doing in our digital citizenship curriculum is, you know, letting children know it's different now. You, you can do something, you know, absurd in middle school and that can follow you for the rest of your life. Yeah. So yeah. we have to let our kids know that, you know, things are different now. You may, you know, you know, 20, 30 years ago, make a dumb mistake in middle school. You know, people can forget about it, but things can live online forever. And of course, again, you don't want to hurt anyone. You don't want to damage things. You know, I always, I always would tell my students, I'm like, would you show this to your grandma? Would yeah. you show this during a job interview? Right. <laughs> if the answer is no, then probably don't do it. <laughs> exactly. And parents yeah. getting engaged at the, uh, you know, start of all this is the best way to preempt any of this activity. And they won't be left in the dark when they hear about it. You know, parents have already visited this topic with them and it can be done at the most informal, informal levels of conversation. Great. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy day. Uh, and I also want to thank our wonderful audience for taking the time to listen to Ridgefield Tiger Talk. If you're listening to this podcast, I already got you. What I need you to do is to find everyone in town to go on their favorite podcasting app. It could be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify, anywhere where fine podcasts can be procured. You just type in Ridgefield, boom, Tiger Talk's the first one that pops up. You just hit subscribe and listen to it. Uh, thank you again so much, Josh. Wes, thank you so much for having me. It was great, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on the podcast again in the not-too-distant future to tell us about all the cool stuff you've been up to. And uh, this is Dr. D wishing everyone a great weekend. See you later.